Good morning. My name is Randy, and I'm really grateful to be here with you, to share with you this morning. Um, Before we get started, I would like to invite the Lord into this time together. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, you're good, you're holy, you're full of mercy and grace, Lord, and we just pray that every word and every thought would point to you, Lord, to your power, to your love for us and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you haven't put two and two together or you haven't been here in the last couple weeks, we are in week three of a four-part series, four-week series called Regen, which is short for Regeneration. It's also the name of our new discipleship recovery ministry that launches on September 14th, right across the hall in the library at 6 p.m. And if you'd like further information on that, there's a table out there that has plenty. Um, So Jim shared with us in week one um, about admitting our need for a savior. In week two, he talked about mourning over our brokenness. And today, I'd like to explore our awareness or unawareness of the sin in our life and the effect that that sin has on the lives of those around us. And to do that, I'd like to share a small part of my story. And I'd like to say that I'm not involved in a recovery ministry out of the goodness of my heart. I'm here because the power and the grace of God changed my heart. Five years ago, I learned a sobering truth when my sister Erica shared with me that she had to mourn my death. We're going to set that to the side for a second, and we'll come back to it. You see, for the three years prior, I was, um, I was trapped in the deepest, darkest bondage of my life. I was addicted to heroin and everything else that that implies. I'm sure that you can understand that I was not leading a God-honoring life. I wouldn't say that I deserved God's love or his grace. See, I was selfish, I was self-centered, and I was self-seeking. I was lost and I was without hope. Jesus was not the Lord of my life at that time. Today, I'm standing before you a true testimony of God's love, his power, and his grace. I'm also a living testimony to the power of prayer. I remember that I used to say, um, it's my life, I'm only hurting myself. How deceived do you have to be to believe that lie? See, I thought that by avoiding the people that loved me, that I was saving them from seeing me and, and what I'd become. And if I'm being completely honest, I was scared. I was scared of being confronted. I was scared that I'd be asked to change. I was scared that I wouldn't be able to handle the feelings that would come without the numbing effects of the drugs in my life. I remember that I actually felt proud that I uh, hadn't stolen from my family, that I hadn't gone to them asking for help. But that was a lie also, because I had stolen. I had stolen their I had stolen their happiness, I had stolen their joy, and I had stolen their peace. I was blinded by denial. Thankfully, 
there were people in my life that did realize my need for help and that didn't have so much pride that you know, they could actually ask for help for me. Earlier I had said that I was a, a testimony to the power of prayer, and this is why. You see, many of you here were praying for me, for my spiritual salvation, for my physical well-being. Many of you didn't even know who you were really praying for. You were praying for Linda's son or Erica's brother. My wife falls into that category. She and my sister are friends, and before she really even knew me, she was praying for me. She was praying for her friend's brother, Randy. Please don't miss this point. Your prayers matter. Your prayers make a difference. And your prayers are powerful. There came a time that the emotional pain that I was causing my little sister was so great that she felt that the only way that she could move forward with life was to give me to God and to mourn my death. The thought that she might never see me again alive was too much of a burden. Even as I'm saying this, I can't fully comprehend the pain and the suffering that I caused my family. And I don't have the emotional strength to explain the impact that that had on my children. I mean, who does that? Who does that to someone that they love? I think a lot of us do in our own ways, actually. I mean, we do it to Christ when we choose our own path instead of his. So question. Are you aware of the sin in your life and the effect it has on the people around you? See, our sin cost. It cost Jesus and it cost others as well. I have a little story of awareness I'd like to share with you. See, years ago, I was in charge of a few carpenters, and generally they did a, a great job, but sometimes there was just stuff that missed the mark, kind of like how we are in the eyes of Jesus with our sin. Sometimes as I'd pull up to the job site, I'd focus on one thing that was kind of out of place, and I'd walk up to them and I'd ask them, are you going to leave it like that? I'd just walk away and I'd get my truck and I'd drive off. And at the time, I thought I was being clever, but as I look back, it was, might have been a kind of a jerky move. But <clears throat> the point was to find out if they were aware of the issue. The interesting thing that I noticed is that before I could even finish with the words or turn and walk away, a lot of times they'd launch into this excuse as why the fascia wasn't straight or the miter cut wasn't quite tight. See, they were aware of where they were missing the mark. Aren't we often the same? Realizing that we're being prideful, maybe we're holding unforgiveness, maybe we're judging, maybe we're not trusting God completely. And the other half of the time, they would search for the thing that was out of place. See, the difference between the two is that if we're aware of 
where we're missing the mark and we choose not to fix it, then we have a standards problem. If we're not aware, then we have an awareness problem, obviously. So how do we become aware? I can't speak for everyone, but God uses his word in my life. The more I know about who he is and what he wants for me, the easier it is for me to recognize when I've, I've fallen short. He also reveals things through the process of prayer and then listening, waiting for his response. But a majority of the time, he does it with me. He does it through a thorough process of self-examination. Um, looking at my thoughts and my actions and um, anything that might be out of order. Have I put money in front of the Lord? Have I put my comfort in front of God? See, and all those things are idolatry, right? And idolatry, idolatry separates us from the true blessings, the full blessings of the Lord. So once we become aware, um, we usually make one of two choices, right? Number one, we choose to say good enough and we continue on with life, ignoring the problem or the sin. Or two, we say, God deserves my best. I want to follow him. I want to be free from the bondage of sin in my life. Everything I've been talking about hangs on one scripture, Matthew 5, 6, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, and it said, Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. So we just read that the Lord blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you actively seeking right standing with God? And if not, are you going to leave it like that? Where are you seeking satisfaction? If it's not from Christ, is it working? It sure didn't work in my life. Psalms 139 verse 23 helps me to to reveal where I've, I've fallen short. And I pray this every morning. I love this verse. And it says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. See my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And Romans 3.23 shows us that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Amplified Version says it even better, and it says, since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God, drawing attention to our continual need for Jesus in our lives. See, God loves you. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 say, and I want to add, I want to, I want to add to the beginning of each one of these lines that he loves us so much. I think it just kind of personalizes it, right? He loves us so much, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He loves us so much, he was crushed for our iniquities. He loves us so much that the chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Why? Because he loves us so much. Verse 6 says, all of us like sheep have fallen astray or gone astray. So we all have ownership in this. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And if you examine your life, like I have, I think it's easy to find examples proving this to be true. 
And it goes on further to say, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. Why? Because he loves us so much. So how do you want to respond to that kind of love? When you stand before God in heaven that loves you enough to do that for you, when you're giving him the account of your life, having just read this verse, knowing what he did for you, do you really want to say good enough? At this point, you, I might have lost you. You might be sitting right in the middle of an, a struggle with addiction, feeling like there's no way out. You might be sitting in the middle of depression or anxiety and feel like there's no hope. Maybe you have a lack of faith or you don't really know who Jesus, this Jesus is. You might be thinking, maybe God loves you, but he's not showing up in my life. I don't feel loved. I feel broken. I feel alone. Well, you're not alone. If you've accepted Christ into your life, Jesus says that he will never leave you or forsake you. And if you haven't accepted him, maybe today's the day. And I've sat right where you are feeling those same, same things. I've felt alone. I've felt hopeless. There was even a time where I just wanted it to be over. I remember sitting right back over there in the last, in the last row and I was trapped in addiction. All I could ever think about was the bondage that I was in. I was consumed with the need to escape the guilt and the shame and the loneliness I was feeling. I felt that the only way I could escape those things were to use more drugs. And when I wasn't thinking about using more drugs, I was thinking about what I needed to do to get more. You see, I was looking to be satisfied by things other than Jesus Christ. In recovery, that they, they say that temptation in its purest form is a lie disguised as a promise of fulfillment, meaning if you do this, you will feel this. If you drink this, you'll find freedom or satisfaction. And it doesn't have to be an addiction to heroin, and I pray that that's not where you are right now. Um, it might be, you might be in, in bondage to some of, in the same way to some other things like depression, anxiety, pride, people pleasing. Maybe it's idolatry. Adultery, pornography, I don't know what your story is. but there, there is hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ alone. You will not find fulfillment, freedom, or satisfaction in anything outside of a real relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can provide them. And he loves you, regardless of what it feels like right now. See, feelings are not fact. And he has a purpose for your life. He wants good things for you. But he will not reward bad behavior, just like a parent doesn't, or the child will continue in that behavior. See, we're called to turn from our sin through obedience. And we've been given a helper, the Holy Spirit, to make it possible. See, so we should always be taking steps closer to where God wants us to be, closer to him. 
Why? Because heaven is real and hell is real. And the brighter our light shines, the more people we can lead to Jesus Christ and the fewer the enemy will get. Matthew 5, 24 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And I love this part. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. It reminds me one day, I, I walked into my mother's house and, and I noticed a three by five card and she had it up on the countertop propped up and, and on this card it read this and I quote, live in such a way that those who do not know Christ come to know Christ because they know you. I said, wow, that just, and I don't, I don't know who wrote that originally, so I'm just going to give my mom the credit for it, but, <laughs> but um, it just hit me right here, you know, um, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. What a great illustration. My sister and I, we grew up in Vermont and um, had a great childhood, and we had an aunt who had a, a cottage on Lake St. Catherine, and I remember that every summer we'd get to go there and we'd spend, spend a week or two and we'd vacation there. We'd, we'd fish and we'd swim and we'd paddle around the lily pad pond in a canoe trying to catch baby turtles and such. And another thing I remember doing was we'd, we'd catch these fireflies, right? And we'd put them in this glass mason jar. And, and at night, it was cool, we'd, we'd sit them on the, on the nightstand and, and they'd give off this light, they'd glow. If they started to dim, we'd, we'd tap the jar and they'd get brighter and it was really cool. But here's what I noticed. The longer they stayed in bondage, the dimmer they got until finally their light just went out and they didn't glow anymore. We're a lot like those fireflies, right? When we're in bondage, we don't shine our light. Here's the thing I noticed, is that when we took the lid off the jar and we set them free from that bondage, their light shined again, and it was really neat. And we're, we're the same way as people. When the Lord frees us from that bondage, when we choose to follow him completely, our light begins to shine again. We become the very thing that attracts people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. 2 Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by his marvelous glory and excellence. So if we've been given all things necessary for a godly life and Christ has set us free, why then do we fall so easily back into bondage? Paul talks about, about it in Romans 7.15 and he says, for I do not understand, for I do not practice what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Drug addiction is one of those things that most of the time it's pretty easy to identify as a problem or a struggle in your life. 
it's one of those sin, sins that people usually can easily see. There are pretty clear signs uh, that indicate you have an issue. Your work suffers. Sometimes there's legal consequences. You start to isolate and hide because of the shame, the embarrassment, and the guilt. Your family pleads with you to change. But do you know what's even worse? It's the character sins. It's the sins that people can't see so easily. And sometimes we're not even aware of those sins in our lives. Sometimes we don't even recognize them anymore because we've lived with them for so long. Things like unforgiveness, pride, maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's a lack of faith, a failure to trust a God, maybe body image or vanity. See, I've caused more damage in my life because of not trusting God than from drugs. Pride has been a bigger issue and something that's been harder for me to deal with than addiction. As a matter of fact, I feel like one of the most dangerous places you can be is when you think you've got it all together. Spiritual pride. About 11 months ago, we decided to train some leaders for this new ministry, Regen. I'd been involved in recovery ministry for the past five years, and I thought I'd dealt with the major sins in my life. God had removed the heroin addiction. I'd surrendered my life to Christ. I'd really felt like he had changed me and made me new, and he had. But he wasn't nearly finished. He wanted so much more. Somewhere in the process of training for Regen, the, the Lord uncovered some, some really pretty deep-rooted sins that I wasn't even aware I had. See, I always had a need to see justice serve. Now, justice in itself isn't a bad thing, but somehow I thought I was supposed to be the one that executed it. For me, it turns out that that's a lack of trust in God. I guess I felt that I could do a better job and God in the administration of justice. The same thing about controlling things. It turns out that I felt I could do a better job directing my life than God. Again, a lack of trust in God. So what I learned through this process is that even if we've conquered the big physical sins in our lives, there's always those character sins that still need a little bit of our attention. So I'd broken sin into two types. First was the sin that people can see. For me, it was addiction. There's idolatry. And there's a few others, and I don't feel like I need to share too much with you today. And, and then there was a sin that people couldn't see. You know, stuff like selfishness, pride, contempt, unforgiveness, self-righteousness. These are the things that you can keep hidden. You think you can keep them hidden. See, I, I had said good enough to the hidden sin. I had done the work on the stuff people could see and thought to myself, isn't that enough? The answer is no, it's not enough. See, here's the problem. The sin that people can see is rooted in the sin that people can't see. The sin that people can see has just evolved a bit further and now is visible. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 3, 
sorry, Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside may also be clean. He goes on further to read, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also, you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Not all sin is the same. Obviously, the social consequences of some sin is greater than others. But what is the same is the price Jesus paid for all of our sin. See, I had done exactly what he talks about. I'd cleaned up the stuff people could see. And then I'd said, good enough. And God asked me, are you going to leave it like that? God loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his only son to pay the penalty for our sin, to die on the cross, and on the third day be resurrected, to conquer death, that we may be reconciled to God, that when God looks at us, all he sees is his son's blood that washes us clean. So how do we want to respond to that kind of love? How do you want to respond? Our church's purpose is to be a place that helps you get from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. I believe that God wants us to be free. Not free to do whatever you want, but not that kind of free, but free from bondage. Free from being a slave to your sin. He wants a loving relationship with you. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He deserves to be the Lord of your life. So what sin, what struggle are you aware of in your life? And in closing, are you going to leave it like that? (laughs) Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I love Luke 15, 10, and it says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. How much joy would there be in heaven if we all repented of our sins? Don't we all need regeneration? If the answer to that question for you is yes, and you're ready to uncover areas in your life that there might be strongholds or false idols, Regen is is that place. It's a place you can do that. It's also a place that will help you grow meaningful relationships with others. And the daily content will help you grow your relationship with God by understanding who he is and what he wants for you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. We love you. We ask... Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, Lord, and lead me in the everlasting way. In Jesus' name, amen.
And if you'd like prayer for any reason at all, there's a prayer team over here to the left of stage. And you know what? Earlier I had said, uh, if you haven't accepted the Lord as your Savior today, maybe today is the day. If that's true for you, I'd ask that you go over there and um, you just ask them for prayer. Ask them to help you accept the Lord into your life. Or maybe you've accepted the Lord and you haven't been walking with him lately and you just want to re-invite him into your life. It's also the opportunity for you to do that. Thank you. God bless you.